welcome to the Data Leadership Lessons Podcast. I'm your host, Anthony J. Algman. Data is everywhere in our businesses, and it takes leadership to make the most of it. We bring you the people, stories, and lessons to help you become a data leader. We've partnered with Dataversity to provide listeners with 20% off your first training center purchase with promo code AlgmanDL. Go to dataleadershiptraining.com to learn more. Today on episode 68, we welcome back John Ladley and Bob Siner. Bob and John are two legends in the data management community, mentors to me, and both are returning guests on the show. Welcome back, fellas. Oh, thank you. It's always great to be here. Always good to be here. And 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 again, I repeat, which hardly ever happens. So that's that's good. Yes, we Someone got actually no more. wanted to see us again. <laughs> I can tell you, we got no more complaints about your performance on the previous episodes than we did about anybody else's. So we, wow, we that bad. Back ooh, would be. Ooh, wow. <laughs> that was harsh. <laughs> we would, we, <laughs> I, you you uh, grossly overestimate how much feedback I get about individual episodes. Mm. Um, so normally, normally we spend this time, uh, spend the first couple of minutes learning about our guests' career history, uh, but we don't mm -hmm. have to do that with you guys because you've already been on the show. We've covered that um, okay. in, in detail before. So instead, I'll ask you guys, you know, what's new? How's how's your 2022 starting out? Uh, John, uh, you won the pre-show coin toss, so let's uh, start with you. I would like to uh, receive... I'll, I'll take the yeah. ball in the second half. Go ahead, John. Sorry. That's right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that didn't help the Steelers, did it? Uh, <laughs> so, um, yes, uh, Mr. Siner and I are both from the Berg, so we we are now Sands football team for the rest of the year. Um, that's all right. Yeah. I'm from Chicago, so I've been without a football team for most of the year. So, well, yeah. Um, okay, 2022 so far. Um, given it's been a whole three weeks, um, so far, so good. Um, uh, what's, what's interesting, um, uh, continuing, I mean, I, assuming this is a data podcast, so we should probably talk about data, uh, that, um, uh, still, I'm still finding a lot of intense interest in what works and, explaining uh, failures of various efforts away and companies still trying to do this in spite of, you know, hits and misses over the years. I'm still seeing a, a, as much intensity as I ever have with this. And I'm starting to see it in different nooks and crannies, different size organizations. Um, I have a client now, I can't talk, honestly cannot talk much about it, but um, it's a blank sheet company, just got their first round of money uh, with a brand new business model, and they are interested in building their operating model of their organization so they never have a data problem from day one, architecturally, process-wise, everything. So, uh, I mean, it, so I'll wrap up my comment and pass it on to Bob here. I mean, it's still there and people still want this. And that desire, I think, is increasing and broadening among the audience. Um, but then again, it's only been three weeks. Ask me again in May. Okay. <laughs> <Fair> so <enough. laughs> over to you. 
And so, you know, it's interesting what you said that with a brand new company and starting by getting things right, right out of the gate and managing mm -hmm. your data right out of the gate, it's, it's a, it's a different animal than these companies that have been around for 50, a hundred years, you know, the companies that are acquiring other companies and they're, that have to bring data into the fold, basically. That's not, that was, it was an independent, a separate company before. So obviously they're not gonna be in sync. So yeah, that's a great opportunity. The only problem is that there's a, there, I mean, there are opportunities to do that, but there's also a lot of companies that don't have that, that have that ability to just start from scratch. So they need to do it incrementally. And what I'm seeing oh, yeah. in 2022, you know, maybe even even though it's only been a few weeks, is that there's kind of a renewed interest in education too. Um, I think that 2021, for all of its ups and downs, and 2020, for all of its ups and downs, there was a lot of opportunities for organizations to make strides. And you know, many organizations have made strides, but I'm now seeing a renewed interest in education as well. So yeah, there, yeah. I think there's a lot of there's a lot of consulting opportunity, but you know, there's a lot of educational opportunities too. Yeah, I'm running about 50% education work right now. I think that's a, a, a carryover of the whole data literacy thing. I, you know, I think it's a, it's a, it's a good carryover. You know, no, no, no complaints. I, you know, I've had more conversations with CEOs and executive team members in the last 12, 14 months than I've had almost in the prior five years. So there's there there's uh that going on too that all said that's all really good news but then when you start to get at the down to the execution and a lot of the work that uh bob and i do um we still see in i don't know same struggles the same concerns the same pushback the same cultural issues and just um, you know, one thing i'd add to that is that a lot of companies a lot of organizations are investing very heavily in analytics and analytics is dependent on the data. So, I mean, even in the operating models, just to use the term that John that you used, you know, and I use quite a bit to describe roles and responsibilities, that senior leadership level is now I'm seeing companies refer to them as data and analytics steering committees. Because yeah. the you know, the investment is being made in data science and machine learning and artificial intelligence and all of those things that are very dependent on the data. Yep. And because yep. of that, there's just this continued interest. And, you know, I think, yeah, data literacy has had something to do with it, but the the whole analytical climate everywhere. And I think I said this to a client earlier today, if you don't have that capability, your competition will, and they're mm -hmm. gonna eat your lunch. Yep, yeah. it's, it's all coming down to the, um, uh, uh, the adoption curve is moving along with this stuff. Um, I still see way more problems, even with analytics, than successes. Uh, kind of normal as you move along the curve. Um, uh, uh, what's the uh, Gartner term for the uh, trough of disillusionment? You know, we're starting to uh, climb out of that. Uh, if you look at some of the the models. Um, uh, I'm also, but I am seeing on the other side of that, I've done some work on 
organizations who, who, who are getting very serious about the value of that data. Yes, we have analytics. Yes, we've got a bunch of data scientists in. One, what are we getting for it? And two, what's it worth? What can we go to the marketplace with and say, hey, look at us. We are this much more valuable because of what we're doing with our data. And I'm starting to see the desire to put a number on that. And, and our colleague, Doug Laney, of course, wrote a really good book in that um, along, along those lines. Um, but I'm starting to see that interest really, really move into the practical realm. Um, uh, all the look all look all the data science stories we heard five years ago so we're all early adopters that's all the low-hanging fruit stuff right now you're in the mainstream so now you're going to have as many failures as you have successes maybe more failures successes just because and all this low-hanging fruit stuff's gone now you have to execute and 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 so now it's really interesting to watch yeah they're marching forward and it's expanding but but you know um who's who's doing it who's making it who's not i'm i'm seeing pretty even there uh, maybe the losers are a little bit ahead of the of the winners in that category and then the last point i'll make um is i'm also seeing a concern on the cost of these things have you too looked at some of the operating costs of a big data science environment I mean, uh, looking at their budgets, and, and I had the privilege with one client to look at their actual monthly charges for their uh, cloud account and moving their data back and forth into the cloud and the downloads and the uploads of the scientists and stuff like that. It's a really, really big company. They had 25 data scientists or something like that. But, <clears throat> excuse me, um, the number was... I water. I'm in the wrong business. I'm going to go buy some servers and hang out my shingle, folks. You know, Ladley Cloud Services right here. Just out to start printing money. I mean, some of the I I I don't know. Have you have you heard about it? I mean, is there a concern? I've talked about this on and off over the years because I came out of the whole data warehouse thing back in the late '80s. Is the cost of ownership of this stuff? You know, so uh, yeah, I'm seeing the push for value. I'm also seeing a concern for costs. But you know what? Bottom line, that means it's being treated like regular business stuff, right? Mm -hmm. What am I going to spend on it? What am I going to get out of it? And I, maybe that's good news too. Regular well, business just, stuff. Just one thing I wanted to add to that. And, you know, maybe we'll let Anthony speak a little bit on his podcast. But maybe, 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 maybe not. Yeah. Um, the um, is that with employees changing positions so readily these days and um, companies looking for people in, in all industries and not being able to find people. And, you know, people, there's actually the advantage now is in the person that's looking for the job because if they ask good questions, um, they can pick who they want to work for. And, you know, I'm finding that companies at least a few that I'm talking to are looking at the data as a way of being able to retain employees. You know, if we can get their job to be more, you know, yeah, I was a data scientist working for a company and I spent 95% of my time wrangling data and I only got to spend 5% of my time analyzing the data. Well, if you can get your company to the point where they're spending 70% of their time doing data analysis stuff, trying to keep it clean and, and not uh, in the 30% of wrangling and pulling the data together, 
you know, I've, I've talked to several organizations that are using that as a selling point to bring in new employees, using it as a selling point to retain employees. And there's a lot of, uh, you know, when it comes to the value that data can add, I think that's one thing that's not spoken about a lot is the value that comes from having a well-managed, need I say, well-governed data environment, the impact that it can have on keeping your on keeping your best people happy and bringing in some really high, high highly knowledgeable and highly skilled talent. That, that's a really good point, Bob. I, you know, if you're spending like we witness a lot, eighty percent of your job as an analyst gathering stuff up, and then you get to only spend twenty percent of your time doing what you went that's to school good. to and really like to do. Yeah, oh, um, but then if you get to a place where they say, hey, how would you like to spend 70% of your time doing what you want to do and only 30% of your time scrounging the data for the same or maybe a little more money, uh, you're going to pull people in and you're going to have a more stable workforce and they're going to be more productive because they are spending more time doing the good things with the data they want to be doing versus uh, just scrounging around in the wilderness for, 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 you know, bugs and berries, like some Neanderthal data miner or something. And they're going to stick around like longer. <clears throat> right. I mean, if, you keep the, if you keep them happy, then if they go, if, you know, people say the grass is always greener on the other side. Well, if you do a good job of taking care of your grass, you know, they may not find that hopping the fence to the other side is, is something that's, you know, really good. Now, for data practitioners, maybe there's that opportunity to help those companies that are still back in the 80-20 to get to the, you know, 30-70 as to the useful usefulness of people's time. Um, there's opportunity for data people that are well-versed in being able to help companies to get there. Mm-hmm. But the value that I'm seeing is, is coming from, you know, not only the, the you know, treating data as a, a valued business asset and they're having the, the cost of it and, and what what reward we're getting for what we're spending, like the stuff you were just talking about, John, we need to start thinking about employees too and resources and, and having good talent. And I just think that's a part of the equation too. Yeah. So this is, a, this is a good lead into the topic for today's conversation. <laughs> oh, so, you mean that we're not done yet? Oh, <laughs> And, you know, this this one we knew was going to go off the rails in terms of a schedule, like just from the very beginning. But that's that's good. I, but you bring up a good point. And when you think about like the efficiency of your data scientist, you know, it's a good return on investment for the organization as well. If I can get an 80 percent or 70 percent of the productivity of a scientist to be at the more desirable activities, if the alternative is 20% or 30%, I'm, I'm basically creating new data scientists through that investment by having them be more productive. And it's more mm-hmm. attractive to those folks. It's better for the organization as a whole. And so what I find interesting and, and, and where this kind of conversation kind of launched into is that you know, we were we used to have these conversations around how data is an asset for the business. I think at this point, most of us agree that data is an asset for the business. And the business has been talking about that for a while. And they're like, hey, data is an asset. There's value in that data. And then they were kind of like, you know, we probably should do something about extracting some of that value from that data. And that's where I see this focus on analytics and taking action and doing the science and doing the analysis. But as we know, in the data management space, 
our ability to extract that value in a reliable way is going to be predicated on our ability to do good data management and be able to assess things like data quality and be able to understand how this data can really help drive our business activities and, and ultimately our business outcomes. Now, what I think and, and what kind of set the stage to set the stage for the rest of this conversation, which I may or may not be able to get another word in on, it is um, that notion that we want to be capitalizing on these data assets. And we would love to jump to the AI and machine learning models and the advanced analytics and data science stuff. But many of our companies still are struggling to even manage the basics of our foundational operational and transactional data. Last week, we just had a conversation with someone who we were talking about how if you can't get on top of the data that are most core to your business, your customer master, your, 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 who are your customers and what are they doing with business in, in, in your organization? What is the actual business that you've done? If you can't get on top of that data, good luck with all the fancy stuff. Right. And so what we what we wanted to talk about, what brought us together to have this conversation today was this notion that you can't always get what you want. And 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 that it kind of came up as a joke when we were talking separately, where it's like, well, if COVID has taught us anything, if the pandemic has taught us anything, it's you don't always get what you want. You can't always just wish it away and hope, hey, you know, who would have thought in, in March of 2020 that we would still be here in 2022, pushing two years, still dealing with this pandemic? You know, I think we want it to be done, but we don't always get our way. And that kind of leads us to what we want to talk about from a data context for our organizations is where have you seen evidence of that, either in places that you have done work or in things that you're seeing today in organizations that you work with? You know, what should we be thinking about where we'd love to be that very productive organization where data scientists can go and, and find all the answers, but we may not have the resources ready for them to be able to act that way. What do you guys think about this and, and where do you see these kinds of examples? So wait, is this the second half? Do I start yeah, with it's the ball in probably, the yeah, yeah, it's probably okay, the second half. You're receiving. You're receiving. That's, that's yeah. cool. We, yeah, we, we want the ball in the second half. Um, you know, it's, first of all, I, you know, the second half of the you can't always get what you want is if you try sometime, you get what you need. And so it takes it takes effort to to get to what you need. But what, um, you know, what I suggest with organizations is that they talk to their stakeholders, people that are stakeholders in the data, and they ask them two questions. They say, what can't you do because the data is not there or you don't trust the data, you don't have the confidence in the data to do it. And. That's one question. And then the second question is a flip side of that, which is, well, what would you do? You know, so I think that's getting to the, you know, we can't always get what you want, but if you try sometime, you know, you can focus on, you know, let's think outside the box and let's think about, you know, we need to be able to do predictive modeling. Well, do we have the skill set to be able to do that? Do we have the people to be able to do that? Do we have the data to be able to do that? Do we have the confidence in the data to be able to do that? And then there's really a third question to those, which is what does data governance and data management have to do with those first two questions? So first, I think you need to set appropriate expectations. And, and the, the key word, I think, to go along with Anthony, with what you were saying is capacity, right? Mm -hmm. You got to have the capacity to be able to do these things. You can wish that you could do all these things, 
but you're not going to start right out of the gate by being able to do all of them. So you're going to need to do them incrementally. So, you know, to me, I think that's, that's an important aspect of it is, you know, let's define what we can't do and what we would do in terms of, of the, uh, the leveraging the data as an asset and understand that we can't always get what we want and, and we're going to need to work our way towards that. And it's going to be done incrementally in most organizations, unless it's one of the companies that John started out by talking about, which right out of the gate has that opportunity to have their all their ducks in a row when it comes to data when they're getting started. So I don't know if I answered your question at all, Anthony, but I, I gave it my shot. <laughs> all right, three and out, he punted. So <laughs> that's a typical Steeler protocol. Run into the line, run into the line three times. You know, on third and eight, throw for five, and then punt the ball away. Yeah, punt the ball exactly, and that's the whole playbook. Anyway, um, I'm going to use the same metaphor that Bob just used for you know you want to do things, but sometimes you need to accept incrementally, and that is a way to use that metaphor to understand the need for incremental uh, work, which which is tremendous. But I'm, I'm so I'm gonna say good stuff, right? Now I'm gonna take the same metaphor and apply it entirely differently because I started doing a talk. I used to have a talk with a big picture of Mick Jagger on the front until I think someone yelled about copyrights or something silly like that. Um, and and it was, you know, so you, you know, you don't get what you want, but you get what you need. A lot of data work, and I built my whole data strategy class around that one phrase, is organizations that do, you know, do a data strategy and it doesn't work, and you do it or a data thing or it doesn't work, and a data warehouse doesn't work. And I examined dozens of these things and hundreds of these things over the years, and I finally discerned what became my big rallying cry, and Anthony, you know this, which is business alignment, right? Mm -hmm. um, take a look at the way a lot of things are done. You sit down with 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 with, with uh, Mr. or Ms. Executive, and you say, "What kind of data are you looking for?" And they go, "I want this row and column, and this row and column, and this row and column." And then everyone scurries around to deliver that. Um, the way I use this metaphor is, I say, "No, that is your wants." You don't get what you want, but what do you need? What does the business or the organization need in the way of data? Because the wants were always generating, we want to do really cool analysis. So everyone would run out and buy some analytical something or other. In the early days of the data warehouse, it would be a, a SaaS or something, and now you go out and get Python people all lined up, but whatever it is, it was always focused on meeting that want, kind of like going to McDonald's and I want a hamburger and they hand one over the, the counter to you. And I, I said, no, what does the organization need? Well, that comes from business strategy, that comes from the market that you're in, it, it comes from the business environment that you're in, it comes from the regulatory environment you're in, and and I would I would say and I still do this to this day for every single client whether they ask for it or not it is now a baseline artifact I do is I look at all of that and I say here's what the organization needs data wise so 
Bob was asking about, well, you know, you think you need um, some type of analytics workbench or something like that. Well, but do you really need that? Do your Does your business framework require that capability or, to Bob's point, are you having enough trouble just getting a report out about what you shipped out yesterday, right? So when you when you line up from the 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 needs, which is we need to get more customers, we need to lower our costs, we need to be more competitive, then we go, then you can decompose those into well, what are the data capabilities that will shore you up or address that business problem? And you start to see in many organizations where they're emphasizing the wrong technologies, they're emphasizing the wrong approach. They've jumped on the bandwagon with the latest and greatest whatever. Um, and I can't tell you, I don't, Bob, you probably have seen this too a lot. Um, they've got the latest tools and every new and shiny thing you can possibly buy, but they still don't know how many customers they have or they don't, still don't know what they've shipped yesterday. Okay, so to me, that when I see that, that is that is they're going after someone and saying, I want this data, I want this data, I want to do this. and Or the CEO sits back and looks. This is the big scenario. CEO's in a strategic meeting and goes, well, all this stuff they're talking about means they need MDM. So I'm going to tell my crew to do MDM next year. And then in February, they all start. Everyone's hair catches fire. You run around and you're doing MDM because the CIO said so. And, and, but did anyone, does the organization need it? You know, the vendor's going to say everyone needs MDM, but I mean, what I found out a lot of my analysis with this kind of stuff is sometimes organizations just go, it looks from the surface, it looks perfectly rational what they're doing. Mm -hmm. And then when you decompose the needs, you go, these guys are trying to run a marathon and they can't even walk out to their mailbox without breathing heavy. Okay. So um, I use that wants and needs a whole different way. All right. And it's a great analogy for all kinds of levels. And, and I put it, I, it, this is when I work with leadership teams because that's why most of my work now is at that level is, is what do you need? All right. Cause the, the one thing I have to take out of it, and here's some of the rationale, I have to take SLAs out of the equation service level agreement is 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 my sworn enemy of data work nowadays because app dev and ops and dev ops and data ops and fill in the blank ops and i'm sick of hearing ops okay are all around slas and doing stuff quick and i'm all for quick i'm all for agile i love agile but i'm all for pointing it in the right direction you know, in the words of our late friend Ken Orr, I know I know Bob knows Ken, and, and I he was a good friend of mine, and I'd go I'd fly to Topeka to visit Ken once every three or four months as he was uh, getting up there and just sit at his knee and get wisdom. Um, uh, uh, he said, one thing you got to understand about technology, and it's so easy to do, is we will no matter what generation of technology since the 1950s. We have waded in and built worse crap faster than we ever built worse crap before. We have exceeded the time to market of the previous generation of crap. We have gone an order of magnitude faster to deliver crap. All right. And I'm like, you know, that's profound. And, and, and that only worked on it. And it gets this needs. And sometimes you just sit there and you go, 
what you need is you need to count what you ship yesterday. You need to know what your customers have and you need to get some blocking and tackling in. And then this amazing thing will happen. You'll have the right level of data quality. You'll have the right level of stuff you can count. And then everything else will just kind of come along instead of hiring 25 data scientists and locking them in the room where they will struggle with the data you're giving them, which is, oh, by the way, the crap you develop 10 times faster than the other crap you've developed. So I use the metaphor a whole different way. As you can tell, it's not something that excites me much, and I have to find a lot of energy to talk about it. But um, uh, so I got a uh, question for you about yeah, it, though. Yeah, I mean, first sure. of all, I, I love that. I mean, I love the you know differentiating between the wants and the needs. Mm-hmm. Um, but my question to you, John, from your experience is, um, who is responsible? For, I mean, the executives can tell you what they want, and and then people go running around like chickens mm-hmm. with their heads cut off, and and what, no matter what it takes, they give them what they want because they that's do. what the executive mm-hmm. said that they wanted. And the one thing that's not communicated to those executives a lot of the time is what it took to get the data the way that they wanted to see it. Right. Okay. So now, so my question really is. Uh, and so that, that that conversation needs to take place. Yes, People it does. Need to say, when you ask this question, this is what it's going to take to get what what you want. But my question to you is, whose job is it to help them to instead of saying what they want, saying what they need? Is that the job of the data people? Is it the job of you know? I'll, I'll just leave it at that. Whose job is it? to get them, instead of saying, I need this, or I want this, saying, you know what, what our company needs is this. Our good, there's yeah. a differentiation there. A, 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 a really couple, couple of things to point there. First, I want to address your point of that the executives uh, don't know what it takes to build that. Um, I've asked that direct question several times. And and you may or may not like this answer, but the answer is essentially, I don't care. My job is to run a company. I, if I have to put 100 monkeys in front of typewriters to get a sentence for it, and I want to pay for that, I'm going to do it because I don't have time to wait four years for the perfect solution. I don't have all this. So they're, they're weighing this long-term versus short-term thing, and they always go with, with the short-term, even if it costs, costs more. Um, now, there's some that are... Are, are more savvy than that. But sadly, I, I, I happen to see that level of just disinterest in what it really takes to do that because- I want what I want. Well, I had one chairman of a really large financial organization tell me, he said, I really like your proposal, son. This was a while ago when people could call me son and get away with it. Um, uh, <laughs> he said, he said um, and it's a lovely solution, and I really think it would work, and it's well thought out, and I love your numbers. I, I hardly ever see numbers from data people. This is terrific. He says, but it's going to take uh, three years. And I said, yeah, well, yes, sir, because it's a well-engineered kind of thing. I said, but we're going to implement it in small increments and get small improvements. He said, that's great, that's great, that's great. He said, but I need to take this to the board, and the board's going to say, well, wait a minute. Why can't you hire a couple of fresh-faced MBAs out of Wharton 
put them in a room with laptops and get the same thing. And you'll hire more people. They will have good paying jobs. They'll benefit the community and the company looks a whole lot better. And have you weighed image versus that? And so the thing is when you get to those levels, a lot of us in the data world don't understand that there's so many other components of a decision than what we see. So that addressed the first thing. Now, what was the other question? Well, who's oh yeah, who, who's responsible for the needs? Data. Yeah, I was, uh, I was being glib. Sorry. Um, <laughs> uh, uh, in a well-run organization, there is usually a strategy map. There is a, you can, the book is called Kaplan and Norton. They're the same guys that wrote Balanced Scorecard. It was their follow-up book to Balanced Scorecard because it basically told everybody how they came up with the other stuff in the other book. Um, and uh, uh, They'll have a decent strategy map, which is, you know, pillars or drivers or strategies or whatever you want to call them, and then goals, objectives, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And maybe various views from the market view, an internal view, an external view. It's kind of really cool management stuff. It, it's at that McKenzie highbrow level of stuff, but a lot of companies have this. If they have that, then it's incumbent on the especially if there's a chief data officer, that is the person that needs to be smart enough to say, here's our strategy map on the top half of the page. I have plugged in the corresponding necessary data strategy to support this. And the red circles or the red bars are things we don't have. And the green things are things we do have. And the yellow things are things we're talking about. Um, and normally there'll be a lot more red and yellow than green in some, you know, in the, these situations. And that would be a chief data officer. Now, if you don't have that CDO, to your point, Bob, there's a problem there. Okay. Cause you have this, and that's where the wants versus needs come in. And most of my work at some point, I mentioned this to the, the, the vice president or the director I'm working with of marketing or whatever, the CIO. And I'll go, you have a gap here and we need to close that gap. So plan A, don't even tell leadership about it. Drive your data strategy from the the needs decomposition but don't tell them how you did it and they go well great there's a data strategy list but you're going to have something that's easier to implement and the increments are much more value added okay you know bob and i are big big believers in in incremental improvements and incrementally doing things here and the higher value you can put off those increments obviously the better off you you are okay so you up the value because everything you deliver is tied directly to some business metric and that's i mean that's that's gold that's winning winning stuff right? right now so that's the first way now the second way is well maybe we can't hide behind that maybe we have to explain to somebody what we're doing then and these are where these are these are efforts where i really have to um uh you know bite my lip put my tie on and my coat comb my hair what's left of it and go in and go here's your this stuff and then here we are decomposing that and then the first thing you get is well you you're not here to do strategy you're here to put a data program in and uh, and and i have to explain yeah that's but this is how we do it 
okay? And I always find that that really points out the literacy gap in organization big time. And that last scenario is my most difficult scenario. Sometimes it just is almost impossible uh, to have anybody look at it and and you just tell them that this is what we have to do and and you go ahead and try to do it. Um, it points out a lot of literacy gaps in organizations and uh, and things like that. Whose job is it to tell them? I think any well-trained, savvy data person, any data leader, whether it's on the business side or the tech side, who understands the value of data and understands these concepts of wants versus needs through your analogy and my analogy, all right, it's incumbent upon them to, in a polite, politically safe way, you don't want to have to get fired every time you do this, to explain that to leadership. I, I, I think it's a big, we're getting into another topic here, Anthony, I hope you don't mind, but data people are really deficient in this type of conversation. And we're finding more and more, to your point, Bob, they have to have these conversations with leadership. Um, and, you know, I, I think they have to. It's politically yeah. uncomfortable. Oh. To have somebody who says what they want and don't tell me what I want. I'll tell you what I want. Um, so you're right. You can't. I'm, I'm in a situation like that with a company right now where they spent a ton of time putting together um, insight metrics. And then the executive put together insight metrics. And they're different. And the ones that are no. because the ins, they be, be in, you know, we have a meeting to talk about that coming up. The um, this is what they want, but even and so somebody's got to be able to articulate to to show them that there are other ways, you know, and, and that they can um, that just let's just present the facts because you can't go to an executive and say you're wrong, you know what you're what you're no. asking for is wrong. Let us no. explain to. But I think that that's getting to what you were saying, John. Is yeah that, that getting data people with business savvy and the ability to talk appropriately to people at all levels, especially the higher levels of the organization is extremely important because if we can even present it to them as wants versus needs and, you know, what the business case is for the needs, you mm -hmm. know, and how the wants kind of lead into the needs, you're going to be, you're going to get on the same side of the table as them a lot more often than if you go to them and say, you know, that's wrong. I'm gonna, yeah, I'm gonna so try to, I'm gonna try to stay, uh, uh, trying to make a story two minutes. So I, I did a, 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 a gig uh, last year and it was come and tell us what we need to do with our data scientists and stuff to get more stuff out and, and do a, a cold review of our data governance program. So I did that stuff. And I noticed that they had an awful lot of analytical activity and data sciences and, and all the great tools and all that, but I didn't get the sense they were getting much out of it. So I said, are you concerned about return on your investment? Oh, well, no, you know, the boss said, we're going to be a data-driven company. So we went out and hired, you know, scores of data scientists and spent, um, you know, a healthy nine figures on technology and stuff like that. It's like, okay, okay, that's good. I said, so, so, all I have found so far is is a return on your investment of about 0.5%. 
And it was, oh, no, 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 we're doing all kinds of reports. I said, yes, but only one of your models has incurred a gain. I said, would you mind if I took a look at other opportunities for the same people in the same group? And long story short, found orders of magnitude of benefits in this organization and said, so this is what you got to do. And the person said, I can't take this to the boss because here's a strategy that says go into this division and and uh, um, uh, uh, um, uh, I'm trying to come up with a thing here that I don't give away who this is. <laughs> um, uh, uh, Let's go where it has to do is you have to um, the data says you have to reorganize your factory uh, and um, uh, change your supplier things. So the data says we have an opportunity using data to tighten suppliers and shorten lead times and make money off of that stuff like that. And we were said, well, no, we've been told that manufacturing is off limits. Okay, but I said, so here's what I did, and this might help. I wrote it all down. I put it in writing, and I said, here's your opportunities you're missing. Here's your 0.5%. All right? And and I left it there with them. I don't know what they did with it, but I left it there with them. Hopefully, someone has that in their hip pocket. It'll show up someday. But that's, you know, um, I mean, we when, when you really roll up your sleeves and try, coming around full circle here, Anthony, there is money to be made out here like crazy on data right now. Um, but uh, honestly, a, a lot of people don't know how to do it yet. They're trying, but they don't know how I to do it a, yet. It's a good point, and and it's something that I've 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 actually had you know, and we're gonna we're gonna transition into to more of the educational side in a moment. But I've had conference groups or training classes where I've had to I felt like that I had to apologize to these data people in my class to say yeah you know I know you guys all went into the data space like most of us because you didn't want to have to talk to people you wanted to be able to talk to the machines and run the numbers and stuff I got bad Oops. news for you I yeah. got bad news Oops. because it's yeah. really about being a change agent for the organization and that requires you to be tactfully a change agent for the organization and having those tough conversations, mm -hmm. being able to tell powerful people in your organization, some news that they may not want to hear in a way that they can take and, and do something productive with. So mm -hmm. as we think about, because I think that highlights one area that we're starting to see, yeah, that we need to build some skills there and, and data literacy is part of that, but mm -hmm. I think it goes beyond that in terms of how do you become an effective change agent in an organization. So the last few minutes we have, and, and, you know, before we get into the, the, the education component to this, I just want to say to all of you listening out there, like, I haven't had to do a lot of talking in this conversation. I haven't had to do, ask a lot of questions because these guys just go and it's not because they just like to talk, which they do, but it's because they know how this stuff flows. Normally, when I have to ask a lot of questions, I'm trying to promote a flow of conversation, a flow of logic and reason. These guys have just covered. They started answering questions as I was coming up with it. I'm like, OK, let's keep going. So it was really fantastic how that just naturally evolved as you guys got going, because you see that progression that exists on our business because you were out there working and doing this all the time. So I just want people to know, think about what that was and those conversations that, that Bob and John just had tons of value, 
in, in listening to that a couple of times. And I was so, going to say, Anthony, welcome to our podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thanks for having me on, guys. I, I'm here to uh, I'm here yeah. to help. Um, well, we think you have a lot of promise, young man. I really do. <laughs> Thank you so much. Um, so we're, when this goes live, we're going to be uh, just a couple of weeks away from uh, Enterprise Data World. Are you guys going to Enterprise Data World this year? I yep. am. Great. I am going as well. You're going to awesome. be there so, physically, Bob? Plans are to be there. Yep. Good, good. Same with me. And so hopefully for any of you that are listening to this and are also going to Enterprise Data World, we hope to see you there. Um, but I want to think about from a, from like coming out, hopefully coming out of the Omicron surge and the, and the pandemic and, and um, you know, thinking about what's coming in front of our organizations and, and the things that we need, where should organizations be focusing their education efforts at this point when it comes to data, when it comes to what they need and, and how to grow the, the missing links, you know, obviously each organization is different, but what kind of patterns are you seeing that, Hey, if you're going to put some effort in, this might be a good place to start. I'll, I'll just jump in first and, and I'll say, and I'm just going to like immediately take it back to the conversation we were just having, which is, you know, focus on communications, you know, because the data disciplines, there's a lot of classes, there's a lot of, uh, of coursework and, and workshops and lesson plans and things like that around data management discipline and the, you know, the, the, there's bodies of knowledge to look at that, that go into details on, you know, what is necessary. But if we don't get to the point where we can communicate well about it, you know, I know there's people that talk about data storytelling. I'm not necessarily talking about storytelling that way. Um, I'm talking, yeah, getting your data to tell a story. Yeah, I think that's really important. But I think it's also the data storytelling as to, you know, what skills do we need? What, um, where can we get our people to be able to, our data people that usually, you know, we, we keep them in the closet, we feed them under the door, you know, occasionally we'll let them come out for, for you know, for something. But how do we get them, you know, don't take this the wrong way, get them out of the closet, get them able to speak to people in a way that is going that that their executives are going to be able to learn from it. I think there's a lot of room for improvement in education for the masses in the data field to get more equipped to have those types of conversations. I um I'm going to just pick up where where Bob left off cuz I I I think you've got to teach um all um, levels of the organization to communicate about data. Now, the, the textbook definition of data literacy is communicate with data. You need to have people be able to talk about data. data. Right? Mm -hmm. Two different things, two different things. Mm -hmm. All levels of the organization. For years, us data folks have resisted because uh, um, someone told us years ago, don't bore the CEO with data speak. Well, that's true. But when the CEO themselves is looking for a digital strategy or to be data driven, guess what? They've opened the door to data speak, maybe a little bit. So on the, so on the spectrum where I have data people on one end and business people on the other, okay, data people 
where Bob just teach him to communicate, uh, um, teach about him how to, data. what's that? About data. About data. I also add to that, teach them how to build an argument. Logic, I, I just told, a, uh, I've done a two or three talks in the last six months. I've told the room full of DAMA people, go take a, lo a logic class at your local community college because none of you know how to build an argument. Okay, because there's an art to it. There's an art and a science to it. Okay, um, then I then a second thing I says go study how to do a vision statement and a mission statement and think in terms of business mission and business vision and and do that. Now I'm going to add something to what Bob was talking about. I want to go upstairs and I want to teach leadership something. I think again from the literacy definition, it's not how to communicate with data, but about data. There are basic fundamental concepts the CEO and the board need to understand about data that we have avoided telling them for the last 40 years. One, data is lives in your organization in a supply chain like any other supply chain. The fact that you can't see it is irrelevant. It has to be treated the same way. Two, there's this thing called governance. You have governance. You have the board has governance in your charter. It's in the CEO's job description and it's in the SEC filings you do all the time. You have governance. Quit acting like data governance is some new weird thing and you're scared and you don't want to talk about it. Because when it all comes, when the stuff hits the fan and that lawsuit over privacy or security or data loss prevention hits, you're the one on the witness stand not the guy, not the DBA, okay? You better know what you're talking about. Um, and uh, the third thing and the last thing I do, and I'm doing this now, is I am switching now to annual data refresher training in all of my training plans I do. A pre-recorded video. You know how you, when you're in a corporation and you sit down and do that annual thing of, you know, oh, I'm going to wear my badge and I'm not going to get about to trade secrets. There's one for data that says, you know what, Bob, it's, you, you, this is a big mantra for Bob. Everyone's a steward, okay? I, I am, as, when I get a paycheck, that means I am accepting a certain set of conditions about data. I, I did one for a medical center once, and I said, everybody has to take it. And then some leaders said, says, well, you know, we got the guy that empties the waste cans. They don't have to do it. And I said, yes, they do. He goes, well, what do you mean? Give me the example. And it didn't take me a half a second. I said, suppose this guy's been emptying waste cans for years and it's been full of shredded stuff. And tonight, nothing shredded. Do you think you should do something about that? And he went, oh, yeah. I go, okay. Everybody takes the data class, 10 or 15 minutes every year, and you've got your basic you know, what I would call the, the, the macro or the global stewardship of the ad organization in in that class. So that's what I think about the training. So, so you, you know, I, and I talk about that all the time, that everybody is a steward and people should get over it. And then, in fact, the thing that you just described is really a core tenet of the non-invasive data governance approach, Anthony, that we've spoke about on oh, previous yeah. episodes of the podcast. Um, you know, I always say start with the premise of we are governing. We're just doing it very informally. We're doing because it's informal, it's inefficient and it's ineffective. And if we can formalize things that are there and we can make improvements where they need to be made, 
data governance is going to be a lot less scary of a proposition to the organization. Start with the understanding that, you know, there is governance. You just mentioned specific examples of ways that there are governance in place. So to say we have no governance, well, your company wouldn't have been around for 20 years if there was a complete lack of governance. Yeah, so and, and, yeah I really exactly. Like the, I really like the speak with data versus speak about data, because I think you just played right exactly into what I was talking about. We want to get the people who are well-versed in the data to talk about the data and then help the people to get to the point where they can speak with the data. So I, I like that. I'm going to steal that from you and I'll, I'll, I'll tell people where well, I Well, look, it. I tell everybody you came up with non-invasive and you can tell everybody I came up with that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> So, guys, I, I hate to do this because we're already super over time, but I, we have to end. Um, I, it's been such a treat to have you on the show today. And I'll ask if those of you out there want to have this conversation happen again, drop us some comments in the uh, where you get your podcast or, or on YouTube. Um, request the the we bring this panel back together because I, I have a, I have a suspicion we're not going to be getting many complaints but we're, we're going to get a lot of requests to, to have you guys back on the show. So I, so I hope you will uh, consider uh, doing this again, because I think there's many topics that we could bring uh, some wisdom to. So, so guys, thank you so much for, for doing this and, and being on we'll the show. We'll be today. happy to it's have amazing. you on our show as often as you want. Anthony. <laughs> it's really just me trying to avoid having to do any work at all. So this is, this is fantastic. Um, so no, it's but okay. seriously, I, great wisdom for, for all of the audience out there. Did you tell him about our invoice, Bob? I don't think he got. I don't think he got that memo yet. I, I never. Know. And with that, uh, thank you all for joining us today. <laughs> okay. as, as always, you'll find more information about our guests and links in the show notes. Go to dataleadershiplessons.com to subscribe and check out past episodes and accelerate your journey with training at dataleadershiptraining.com. Stay safe during these unusual times and go make an impact. 